Welcome to Cannon Fodder, the supplementary show to the 20-sided podcast all about world building and lore. This is an exercise in collaboration, improvisation, and storytelling where we build a world one piece at a time. And each week, our guests will determine which peak we'll be building by spinning the wheel of world building. Last week, we did a deep dive into the newly created Tinkerer's Island of Zaraga, but this week could be absolutely anything. Could be symbols, singles, or singing competitions. Who knows? We turn over our petty mortal lives to the knowledge and power of the wheel. And remember, whatever we come up with, no matter how crazy, will become canon within the Fractured Realms and within the 20-sided podcast itself. So we have the fate of the world in our hands. But no pressure, it'll be fun. Uh, so please allow me to introduce today's guest. He is a good friend of mine and also a founding member of the Dungan Boys, which was my very first home game that I ever DM'd. Has a very special place in my heart. Uh, he's a comedian, musician, podcaster, DM in his own right. And he recently did me the very good honor of giving me the first chance of playing in a game of D&D in quite some time, which was a real treat. I'm a big fan of his and soon you will be too. It's Pat Wise. How's it going, Pat? Hey, Brian. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. Oh, I, now that I know this is all going to be legit, I, I could just, I'm going to make it crazy. It's going to be awesome. I'm hey, excited. I, I feel like every person I've had on, they they start a little reticent and then they're like, ooh, the power. Let me fuck with this yeah. world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I am a DM as well, so I know the power that you hold in creating the reality that other people have to play in. You know, I, I <laughs> think great. Nathan has DM'd before, but other than that, you're the only DM I've had on so far. So you, I think oh, you really? especially will know how to really oh, yeah. fuck up my shit <laughs> or, or help <laughs> me out if you want to. Yeah. It's going to be a whole half of the planet that magic doesn't work in. <laughs> Love it. Just the, there's a whole beholder eye side of the side of the planet. It's all, it's all uh rough terrain and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's full of beholders. Actually, that'd be kind of a cool, I mean, this is just totally off topic, but if like the sun was actually like the beholder's anti-magic cone eye, so anytime you were in the sun, magic didn't work, so like magic only exists in darkness, that's a fun idea. I was talking to someone recently about how the axis at which planets uh, rotate determines the weather. So our planet is like 22 degrees, but like 90 degrees, I guess, would be the planet is just either burning hot or ice cold, depending on where they are in relation to the oh, sun. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. That's interesting, too. I, I was just thinking about, like, oh, yeah, like, you, you tilt our Earth, like, just slightly in one direction or the other, and things change dramatically. And that, that is the thing I kind of talk about on this show a lot, is that we'll start off with, like, a small idea, like, currency, and then by the time we get to the end of it, we've like created a socioeconomic plan for a portion of the world. Uh, it's like these little things very quickly can spiral out into much larger things. Absolutely. Which is the really fun. You go part. in. Yeah, you go either way. You start with this big idea, then you get smaller or mm-hmm. you start with a small idea and you build out why that small idea exists in this world, which I think that's my favorite way to do it, which is like. I like to explore. As a DM, I like the characters to explore the world and I throw things in that I think are fun and interesting and then kind of like explain later, like shoot first, ask questions later. Sure. You know, like, oh, okay, it'd be fun if like this was here. So I just like throw that in and I'm like, okay, well, why is that there? And then like I give myself some time to like figure out why certain things are in different places or whatever the lore is. Anyways, it's very fun. Well, th- th- there is something very fun too. And this is like true of, of writing and other like creative endeavors that the more constraints you put on yourself, oftentimes the better things can get just because you're forced to work inside these weird boundaries that you've set for yourself. Yes. And so like making, you know, throwing out, oh yeah, the world, the sun is purple. Well, why is the sun purple? And now you've got to figure out this whole thing behind it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. The sun is purple is cool. We're thinking of like, it's a star that's dying. So it's like actively going to die soon. So what happens if the planet is like, oh, the sun is about to die how does that change the reality of the world people are living in? Are people like all religious or are they all, or is it just chaos or. This really makes me know. think of um, one of the best trilogy of books I've read in the past easily decade, 15 years. One of the one of, three favorite books I've ever read. Um, the first one's called the three body problem. 
I just finished reading that. Oh man. I haven't, like, I haven't read the other two, but I've heard the other two are great. Oh my God. The, I, I finished three body problem and thought this is the best book I've ever read. Like this is phenomenal. Second book. Blows it out. Second book blows it out of the water. That's what I've heard. I've heard the second book is even better. I and think I've heard from some people. I've heard from some people. Third book is better. I think third book's just under the second book, but like still fucking great. All right. I mean, that's, I mean, you got me hooked. I got to read the second one. I'm also uh, almost done with Dune. I'm reading Dune right now, which is also similarly like, okay, planet has X constraints on it. Mm -hmm. How does that inform politics, language, religion, you know, the economy. And I think that's what makes Dune such a great book is it's so many different things. Yeah. Uh, The world building of that series is, is great is very cool like it starts with one thing and it really does you see just how he really frank herbert right. really goes out and shows you all the aspects of what that means totally and then it literally starts with like okay this part of the planet we can't even see and it's like the, for half the book you're like oh there's this, there's this other part of the planet that no one knows about and mm-hmm. it's like okay well something's over there so we got to get there eventually we gotta, we gotta check this shit Man, out I love what's that. going on over there but yeah with well, the let's we could spin it. I, I'm going off on tangents. On yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think let's, let's uh, go ahead and uh, pull up the wheel of world building. I sent you a link. Okay, um, I got it. Before we spin it, just go ahead and take a look at the, at the wheel. Take a gander. Is there anything on that that's jumping out at you as things you are definitely interested in talking about, things you maybe you're hoping to avoid? Nah, I could talk about anything. You can talk about anything. There are some of them that are very vague, some of them that are like names that we can kind of go into. I think I want to just spin it because I want to, because I could, I could, probably do any of these things they all look cool to me well then i think it's time to spin the wheel of world building okay here we go wild card okay wild card wow Uh, this is actually funny nathan landed on this too wild card is a freebie you can choose anything on the wheel you can Gosh. choose anything not on the wheel, or if you want to, if it's too much, too much pressure, you can just respin the wheel. Well, I think since we've already started talking about it, we should just do the cosmos. We should just do the space. We should just do the planet, space, the suns, the moons. Those oh, sort of, okay. So you want to go? You want to go very wide, very wide out. Wide, but also important, uh, and it makes sense. I mean, I, I guess we could do that. I, I think because we already were talking about it, I could also spin it again. No, no, no. If if you're feeling cosmos, we've already kind of get started on it. Let's do it. Let's we're do gonna cosmos. talk about Let's do it. the cosmos. And actually, this is fun. I think I don't want to answer this question, this first question that I have yet. I think this is going to be the last thing we answer. But the one thing that I don't actually have for this world right now. Like the setting is called the fractured realms. It's kind of based on the idea of like things being broken and things being putting back together. And there's an aspect of like collaboration in there that I kind of wanted to work in. The one thing this world doesn't have is a name for the world. And I feel like if you've Mm -hmm. picked cosmos, that's the thing we should, that's the thing we should end with. Okay. But okay. So if we're talking cosmos, we should talk about the planet itself. Um, I can give you a little bit of kind of vague geography on that. Uh, We should talk about the moons. We should talk about the sun. We should talk about, nearby planets and like any kind of maybe constellations or like celestial bodies that like happen by like is there a comet that comes by and does a thing where 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 do you want to start i think we should start with the planet itself i assuming it is a sort of general temperate planet so the the planet is fairly earth-like it was there was like a pangea type continent the world was originally a mundane world three Massive titans ripped through the fabric of reality, leaking through magic as well as like destroying this Pangaea like continent into three separate continents. Each of them kind of took their space on one of them and like sundered those continents to their will to best suit them. So there is a, you know, flooded continent in the south that's very, you know, water based. There is a forest and desert continent in the west. And there is a like mountainous kind of air based continent in the east. And a, a small island nation kind of in the center of this massive sea in the middle called the Liminal Sea. That is where the Twilight Assembly is housed, which is the kind of UN of this world. Okay. A portion of the original lore that I'd conceived for this world, and you can decide, because you've chosen Cosmos, you can decide whether or not this is true or how you want to change it, was that the fracturing of this Pangaea continent was due to the fact that when these Titans were fighting, somehow their massive might fractured the moon above them and a piece of the moon came down smashed the 
Pangea-like constant and then like separate it into three things. Mm. Just a piece. Just a piece. So yeah, like the, the moon got kind of fucked up, but like a big fucking chunk of it came out, blasted how big? Pangea. How, how big? big are we talking? I mean, like a third of the moon. Are we no, talking like, I think we're like talking like, like an eighth of the moon, like a, like a big fucking. Okay. Is it visible? Can it's you de- see it's the definitely chunk missing? Visible. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely visible. So this is definitely true. This is not mythology. This is like, there were Titans. This all happened. And this happened centuries ago, I'm assuming. This happened a millennium ago. So it's still like within. Which is how long? Uh, uh, a thousand years. It, it happened. A thousand it's, years. Actually, it's actually a thousand twenty five years. So it's still within the realm of okay. like a lifetime of like elves. But it okay. is. So it's kind of like beginning to delve into that realm of mythology rather than truth. But it is still like Jeff, definitely a history. Yeah, I mean, you can look up to the moon and be like, yeah, there's the piece. Yeah, like there's the piece that's visible. At least that's the story we've been told. Maybe that, you know, something else was was why the why the moon is missing a piece. Yeah. So it's just okay. So I'm thinking planet, moon. We got a sun, obviously. Sure. We got a star. I mean, those all can be kind of general. I think when you start adding planets, I think the three body problem is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. When you start adding suns, you start adding moons, you're like, well, these gravitational poles are going to make chaos on the planet itself. Yeah, yeah. So you should probably stick to singular solar universe. Okay. There could be other planets, but just for the simplicity of understanding how the planet and how the, you know, how the weather how the, works, the, the gravitational cosmos works. Right. That is the three body problem is that you can't predict <laughs> where the, where it's going to rotate or it's going to, yeah. Where the, um, what am I thinking? Of? What's the orbital path yeah, you, you, of the planet? Yeah, the, the, the classic like physics problem is that if you have three equal bodies operating under uh, like gravitation of each other, you can't pre- predict their trajectory after like a quarter of a second. Like it just gets too chaotic and the math is too insane that no one's ever been able to possibly predict that kind of thing, which is kind of crazy because for how many fucking computers we have and all this stuff, we are stymied by three things going around each other. I mean, it's there's yeah. kind of a beauty to like how simple space can be, how we're still so far away from knowing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like uh, an electron, how like seeing an electron is you're seeing the probability of it being in that space rather than like where it actually is. You can tell where it is, but not like what time it's there. It's just like, right. You get into like I, uncertainty the, the physics, principle shit. It's like this the is physics nuts. of it gets starts getting complicated so quickly. That's why I never did physics. I stuck to biology. But yeah, I'm thinking it's also if it's Pangea was so recently, this is definitely a newer planet, too. Uh, so, yeah, this would be a fairly new planet. Not as old as our planet, which is interesting. That like gives you some sort of like interesting things to do with your plant life and your uh you obviously don't have global warming in the same sense that we do here because unless you guys are polluting in an insane way and there, I imagine no, that not yet. You've got some like really wild spaces that are almost entirely plant life and like things that have are just crushing it because no one else is there. Yeah. And then the, the aspects of these three continents, especially is that each of these Titans kind of like each of the Titans were kind of based on like, elemental ideas mm-hmm. and so they like took each of these consonants and like molded it in their image <laughs> ma- yeah kind of remade it in their image like they really like pulled out all the aspects that they wanted they heightened those aspects and then pushed down everything else so like the continent of Saruya is like you know venice on steroids like it's a whole it's a continent size like mediterranean area with like canals and waterways all the way through veridun to the west is was a forested consonant but to keep the other titans out that Titan like desiccated the entire coast. So there's like a massive circular desert around this massive central oasis. Okay. Interesting. And similar thing over in Azore in the East, which is like a very mountainous region. There is a, a wandering miasma, like a wandering poisonous smog that like hits all the valleys and lowlands and stuff, which forces people higher into the mountains. Okay. But the other one is like the opposite, meaning like the Mediterranean feels like very welcoming. It's like everyone come here, trade, do all the stuff here. Uh, whereas the other two 
continents are more isolationists. Of the Can three, I ask? It definitely is the more most welcoming. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Can I ask where the Titans came from? Am I like there? Are they from? I'll, I'll ask it this way. I don't want to give away too much or, or make you explain too much. But are they from the planet? No, the Titans definitely came through like an extra planar rift. Extra planar rift. Okay. There was essentially what it is, is like, imagine just a scar in the world. It was yeah. a mundane world before. Like Within much, the world. What was that? Within the planet. So like they came out of the planet. Uh, they came essentially like from where the ocean is, like a like scar ripped open in the like right. middle of the air. These Titans came through with their like, the force of their battle and war kind of like ripped this this hole through planes. They came out, and as this hole has been left open, magic and like arcana has been spewing out, allowing people in this world now to like cast magics and things. That's interesting. I'm wondering also if, you know, it's been a thousand years or so since this has happened, if any of that magic has gone into space, if it is like d- dispersed into space. Ooh, and, okay. That's actually something I never considered because I've only been thinking of it in like a planetary sense, but they are, this is extra planar. Like in the narrative I construct so far, this entire plane was mundane and now it has a magical element. So yeah. I mean, I mean magic, I don't see magic being bound by the ozone layer. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> and if it's been going for a thousand years, I would say this planet is like, like exuding like a sun it's magical energy to the universe around it. And that could be, well, that does the timing doesn't work, but like that could be changing things uh, as far as the planets go. That's interesting. You know, most things in space and in the cosmos happen on this like crazy timeline, but by having like this introduction of magic in the world, a lot of that timeline can really get kind of hand waved and just sped up. So a lot of these crazy things could be happening outside of this planet or like this magic has seeped into other nearby planets or systems or, you know, meteors or something and forcing an evolution of things that would not have otherwise evolved for millennium. Yeah. I would say, let's say, okay, I'm just going to go with something. There's a comet that is, it's closer and closer. Which ones are the ones that comets are the ones that keep coming back? Yeah. Okay. So there's a comet that is, that has been going around and every year it gets like brighter. There's like, it, you get pick up, picks up more of the magic energy as it comes within the oh, uh, sure, sure, sure. gravitational pole. And so it gets brighter and it, the, it, it's changing and the magic is changing this comet every time it comes around. And I'd say like, let's say it comes around every 10 years. So it's already been down a hundred times mm-hmm. since this magic has happened and it's getting closer and getting pulled in, maybe being drawn in to the planet itself based on like, the magic is affecting the comet, allowing it to change. I, I think of magic as the giving the ability of otherwise non-magical things. I don't want to say consciousness, but like some sort of it's an extra pull. Like gravity is a pull. Yeah. And we could say magic is also a pull. It, it, yeah, it is maybe not a consciousness, but it is an ability to heighten a like want so like if magic got seeped into a plant it would be able to better evolve and more quickly evolve to do the thing that it needs to do if it gets into an animal the animal can better adapt quicker and quicker and quicker but does that happen to a rock that's my question i mean it could there's no reason it shouldn't why yeah like what what would a rock well how would a rock change i'm like wondering if the moon is like okay here's an idea I'm thinking that with the magic, the moon is actively trying to repair itself. Ooh, okay. I like that. And with the repairing of the moon, over time, more and more people stop believing the story because they stop seeing. It's like the hole is getting filled in. Ooh, okay. Okay, cool. But they don't know why. They're just like, every generation, every next generation is like 100 years later. It's like, oh, yeah, my grandpa says like, the moon is missing a piece, but like, I don't, I don't see it because it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. That is a fun physical manifestation of like generational memory, just like slowly decaying as stories get passed down. That's very fun. Do we think that this meteor that's going around that is like sucking up more magic and this moon that is sucking up more magic? Do you think there's any kind of 
consciousness growing in these things? Are there like weird creatures growing or is it that these rocks are maybe not attaining a consciousness, but attaining some kind of extra, extra magical abilities? I'll give you this. The, the comet is another Titan. It's another Titan from a different part of the universe that is Ooh. smaller, is broken up into pieces, into comets, and basically has been powerless, but has found a piece of this Titan, has found the magical aura around this planet, and is now actively trying to... I mean, I'm, my, my guess is, with like the moon, the magic allows these sort of like fractured things to repair themselves. Okay, sure. Uh, because if it has the ability to break the moon in half or break the moon into a piece, then it must also have the opposite ability to repair things too. Sure. So let's say the comet is, I say the comet is another Titan. It's a fourth Titan. I like that. And like the I fourth like Titan is out there. Maybe, maybe we don't know. Maybe people don't know what it is, but like slowly it's building up power over time. Similar to the moon, the moon is like repairing itself. Maybe the moon has its own agenda. Maybe that you know whatever. <laughs> but I I like the idea of these titans like sort of out there in the universe, and they're like, there must be a reason why they came here. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just a really nice planet, and they're like, this is where we need to settle. Three of them are fighting over it, and they're just like, all right, we'll just split it up, and it'll be our our place. Right. And, but now and there's a fourth is- one who's like, no, I want it too. <laughs> It, it is interesting because what the current, like um, how the current like pantheon of gods was developed was Titans came through a thousand twenty five years ago, kind of had this massive war, wreaked havoc on the world, sundered the land. Mm-hmm. And like these nine heroes rose up and were able to seal the three Titans away. Those nine heroes then ascended themselves to godhood and became like the pantheon, you know, kind of the traditional cosmology of D&D. Sure. But the, you know, the first season of 20 sided podcast kind of hints at the fact that those, the prisons that they've been kept in might be breaking down in some way, or there might be people trying to like break these Titans out for some reason. And having this like additional Titan or like the possibility or like the threat of this additional Titan is a very cool addition to this because then it's totally, you know, how does that interact with this, this other narrative that's happening? I think that also adds sort of like, you know, when you think about global threats and like the threats of planets, you always think, you know, we've had, we have on our planet, we have world powers, you know, fighting against each other, but say there was an alien invasion, like what would happen? How would we figure out how to, would we put our differences aside or would we, or those would explode or would like we become more isolationists and right. be like, um, I think that was actually an interesting question that the three body problem at least be- began to talk about in the first book where like they were so nervous about uh, spoilers for, sorry, uh, this is going to be a spoiler for the book. So if you, if you haven't read, read three body book, problem, strong recommend, skip ahead two minutes and then go read ahead three two body minutes. Problem. I'll only talk about this two minutes, but basically that if aliens came, there were some countries and some groups that were like, we're with the aliens. We're going to be on their side. Yeah. And then there are another group of people who are like, absolutely not. And I think that is actually much more likely than like an independence day situation where like everyone comes together and be like, okay, we got to fight the aliens. I think there's definitely a situation where some countries are like, it's in our best interest to side with the more powerful person. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go with the aliens. And we're just going to like, you know, figure it out. You know, it's like the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't. It's like, I don't know, maybe the devil I don't is not that bad. So right. You know, I'm into it. There's a couple of different like lore things that have been talked about aliens being like parts of the world. And like, obviously now in this world, you have these Titans were already here. They were here a thousand years ago. I'm sure people have reverence for them. Mm-hmm. They are the creators in a way. They are a- extra planar. Also, if there's three of them, that implies there are more. Why are there only three? Might there, I'm sure there are more. Why, why couldn't there be more? And I mean, th- there, there is a thing that I've accidentally established that there's a like water titan and earth titan and air titan well there's four natural elements and so there's like this aspect of well what is fire what is fire and maybe fire is too dangerous it would like it destroys planets 
And maybe that's like why fire hasn't existed here is because fire consumes. And whereas the air, water, and earth can work together and fire that fourth one is chaos and Mm -hmm. seeks to destroy. And if, if that comet were to reach earth, this planet, which we haven't named yet, would it, would everyone work with the Titans to destroy this last Titan or would like, what would happen? That's an interesting question. Yeah. What is the, this, these Titans relationships with each other versus another one. I love the idea of Titans. I always like want to do world building with giants. I love giants. I like the idea of being small, your, your person being very small Mm -hmm. in the global scheme of things. One of my favorite things to think about is how we as human beings are, especially in the Western world are not, we don't interact with things that are bigger than us, living things other than trees. Sure. Like you don't, we don't see elephants. We don't see whales. I mean, maybe you're in a place where there are cows, but like cows are domesticated. Moose maybe is like the biggest thing you're going to see in North America. Right. A bear, but like there's so few of them that it's not really an issue, but in a world where like there are just giants around and you have to figure out what to do. I think it's fascinating. How does, how do you structure society knowing that there are giant things around? We're all ants. We're all ants in the anthill and humans are walking around where ants can like exist. And like, they're like, okay, we've got our spot. We've got our colony. I think it, I think we ants would do what humans would do. We'd go underground. Mm -hmm. If there were giants around, we'd definitely go underground, but there is the possibility that at any time a kid comes by and just fucking destroys it, (laughs) destroys everything you worked for. I watched Bugs Life recently, and it's a good movie, man. It's a great movie. The movie holds the up. whole, totally, and the whole premise is that they have this harvest that they have to give tribute to, like the grasshoppers who are extorting them, basically, and then it goes away. And it's like it's like a religious thing where like they have to build this harvest out, and if it, like the humans have done this too, where they're like, we've got to sacrifice this stuff to the gods so we can like, make it through again. And I think until like recent modern history, we've, I think now we have a much better idea of how the world works and how the planet works. And then we've got bigger problems like i.e. global warming, but it wasn't that long ago that people were like, let's sacrifice this goat and hope for the best. Right. (laughs) You know? So I don't know. Again, I'm going off on tangents again, but this is, I love this stuff, but I love the idea of the Titans and there being an additional Titan, at least one, if not, more in the universe somewhere, but maybe one is like nearby. So we've got this aspect of this meteor additional Titan. We've got this aspect of magic leaking from the world and kind of going out into the cosmos, interacting with this, this comet, maybe like revitalizing this comet, revitalizing the moon, literally. Or signaling to other things in the universe that there's magic on this planet, which could also, that's sure. I mean, after a thousand years, this place is brimming, teeming with magic. And it's like a beacon to the universe. And it's funny because there are some like some extra planar entities within like D- classic D&D lore. Like there's, you know, the Gith, which were like interplanar travelers. There were, I want to say mind flayers were originally meant to be kind of an alien race. I'm sure I'm wrong on one or both of those counts. Not sure. But yeah. But the so if we're talking about cosmos and world, we've kind of we still have to touch on the name of the world. We still have to maybe name this meteor. The other thing I want to maybe think about is. Maybe like either like the world's like people's concept of the cosmos, like is it well known or is it not? Like, do we do they have an understanding of like the rotational, like gravitational pull and stuff like that? Is there a scientific understanding? Or we could go back even further and go like, are there predominant, you know, constellations that people use? Like, is there a North Star and what is like what's the mythology behind some of those types of things? Yeah, I mean. I think that they probably do have an idea of how it works. I mean, you've talked about the, I listened to the RMS Titanfall and like, if you can't build a ship like that, unless you know something about how tides work and how (laughs) navigation around a planet works, I imagine they they are, that ship was going to the center, right? Uh, That ship, yeah, that ship was going to uh, Twilight Assembly at the center. So you have to know how to get there. So you've got to understand basic 
navigational skills to get there. Were they using the stars or were they using like the like Earth's the magnetic field? I think probably at that, that point, the point you're thinking about with this ship, they're definitely using a magnetic field because mm-hmm. unless they've got someone just like constantly out looking at the stars, I don't, I don't, that seems more archaic to me. So probably they understand a magnetic field. If they understand a magnetic field. I say they understand probably the planetary system as well and how things work. And they probably have a good understanding of different planets and different stars in the sky. But maybe they're, I think similar to now, they're more mythol- mythologized. Mm-hmm. We don't, everyone looks up as like, oh, that's a big dipper. It's about the old. I think that's the only constellation I could name. <laughs> Orion, maybe? Orion's belt? I can always find Maybe that Orion's one. belt. Yeah. So I say that, yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some definitely some constellations up there, but I think that's mostly, I would say those are mostly old school stuff. You've got so much going on on the planet itself that I don't see people spending a ton of time on the sky, the stars. You've got magic coming out of a hole. Yeah. Tear in space time. It's like, yeah, let's focus on that. Yeah. I think most people are focused on that a hundred percent. And I could see people like sort of missing stuff that's going on above them. You've got this moon and you got the moon repairing itself. No one's really talking about it. Over time, people are sort of like, yeah, it's still there. The little cut's still there whatever. But like people are more focused on their plane, their specific plane. There may be a couple people that are like, I could imagine now I'm now I'm imagining the specifics of there is definitely one guy who is screaming about this comment, <laughs> who is like, there is something wrong with this comment. And everybody likes everybody's like, oh, it's cool. It changes colors every 10 years. And it's all it different like, this thing. Year? And he's like, this is a problem. <laughs> there is this thing is getting closer and I don't know what it is. And we don't know why it's changing colors. It shouldn't be. I'm like 100 percent. Someone is screaming, but no one's paying attention because there's so much more interesting stuff going on on the planet itself. I do really like I I always love the like crackpot screaming. That's actually right. You know, like a guy that is just charting the repairs of the moon and realizing that it's like not as broken as it used to be. Like, that's a crazy fucking thing. Like, it's also really fun to think about that in, you know, say 2000 years time instead of 1025, the moon is whole again. And all of a sudden this history has fully become mythology because, you know, the proof is gone. Right. Um, and unless someone has been tracking it and has data and has imagery of it, no one's going to believe them. Right. You know, it's like, it's like going to see the ice caps and like, Oh, the ice caps were out further last time. It's like, well, I know they look, you know, that's just like, that's where they are now. But like, if I don't have the picture of what it was in 1919, like, I can't even really conceptualize how much ice is gone. And it's true with, like, you know, anything that's gone extinct. It's like, well, if we don't have pictures of it, we only have the written word of it. And who knows if that's true. Or the bones. My favorite thing is now people doing the reverse and looking at bones of, like, creatures that exist on the Earth and seeing what a paleontologist would have, like, thought it looked like. Like, oh, the perfect example was a bunny rabbit. Yeah, it was like the bunny, the skeleton of a bunny rabbit. If you got a paleontologist to like make it, it would look like a like a crazy lizard creature. <laughs> I mean, you, you would guess like maybe they get something's right, but it looks the skeleton looks nothing like a bunny, like not even close. So I can I can't I can barely conceptualize a bunny based on the skeleton. It has huge ears. They're all cartilage. Those are all gone. Right. A human skeleton, like we're basically more or less. There's not yeah, a ton you, of cartilage. The, we got a nose and ears. Picture, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got inner ear bones and we've got a nose cavity. We're like, okay, people could have guessed maybe how big a nose was, but we're like, there would be something there to protect, mm-hmm. you know, this whole, that whole cavity. But like to, to like, think of a bunny with its huge ears or floppy ears, all different types of ears. It's fascinating. Uh, so yeah, I could, I could totally see these people stopping to believe like, like maybe even like, People not really believing that the Titans exist. They're just like, all right, well, I've heard the story. Some people are telling me about it, but I've never seen one. I think that's kind of the- where the world is at. Because it's it's at a point where it's far enough removed from most people's lifetimes that it is like kind of fading in memory. And there but there are also some, you know, races of people, you know, elves and and the like, who it's still within like a generation or two. So that there is this kind of weird the world is very much on the precipice of forgetting or like mythologizing this thing as a creation myth. 
rather than realizing it is a history, which is kind of why I put it there. I wanted it to be not a recent scar and also not maybe it's myth, maybe it's not. It's really right on the border where it could fall either way. Yeah. Similarly to the timelines of civilizations and like, you know, they they begin and then they end in the middle, like things happen. But like mm-hmm. when you write a book, it's always the beginning of the civilization or the end of the civilization. Right. Like so many good, some of the best books I've read open up and it's like the world is destroyed. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> and here's how it happened. <laughs> and cause that's the most interesting part. So like, definitely we are at a fulcrum point yeah, in time it's, it's a it's an inflection point there yeah where history and the future are starting to go in different directions and i think that i like to think that the magic itself is also doing that it, yeah. it can oh, destroy sure. and rebuild but it also is like changing people's perceptions of reality i guess people probably can't even conceptualize of a world that exists without magic at this point yeah you know, it is they're it so is used to it one of those things where again it's it's depending on the race, there's still, it's very much like kids today not being able to conceptualize like a world without the internet or a world without, you know, cell phones. I can barely think about I know, it. like I, I remember <laughs> when I was without 10. those and I can barely understand them. But yeah, it is, it, I like putting it right on that precipice point. Pulling back a little bit. So we've got, we, we kind of have these three celestial bodies that we've talked about. We've talked about this meteor. We've talked about the moon. We've talked about this planet. The hardest part of the or one of the hardest parts of the show is giving names to all of these things. Mm-hmm. I think let's let's start small and get bigger. Is there a name for this asteroid? Is it like named after somebody? Is it just asteroid X25? Is it or comet? Excuse me, comet. Is there any kind of like colloquial name? Because I assume like if it's coming around every 10 years, people are like looking for it and checking out for it. Mm-hmm. What kind of name do you think this thing has? So I guess comets in our realm are mostly named after people. Yeah. It's like Haley's comment. Who's Haley? The person who found it? In my head, I want to say it's, I was going to say Sir Edmund Haley, but that's Sir Edmund Hillary, which is a whole different person. Oh, no, it was after Sir Edmund Haley, uh, English astronomer. Okay. So named after themselves, which is, okay. That's, (laughs) that seems kind of lame to me. Well, there is a a lameness to it, but at the same time, you also by choosing a name, you also choose a person that was like a great scientist. That's true. Yeah. Who are the, who are the science forward people? Also, okay. I'll, I'll say this. Who lives in the mountains in the South? Is that where the mountains are? Uh, mountains are in the East. Uh, they are there. There is like, there are some monasteries at the top of the mountains. They definitely found it. I think it would either be there or floating above the mountains are the untethered cities, which are like the most technologically advanced people. They have literally like, Oh yeah. Gone. They've got ascended past the ground feeling kind of betrayed by the earth or by the world and live above it. Okay. They, well, they definitely named it. And also the guy who is screaming about the comet definitely is up there as well. (laughs) Okay, cool. And maybe now I'm thinking like, that that guy is like left because I imagine that those people kind of stay up there. How do you get back down? There's do uh, go back? yeah, they've got like some flying elements or like, like gliders and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Definitely someone from up there. So what's like, what kind of people are they? Uh, it's a hodgepodge of people as far as like races go in the mountains. It like the, the monasteries, it's largely like Aarakocra and some are like fl- flighted winged races. But up in the untethered cities, it's very cosmopolitan. Uh, though there is like a, a fairly high propensity for like elves and um, longer lifetime races of people. But in the cities, it's kind okay. of a New York stand-in. You can kind of find a little bit of everybody there. Okay, so I, I've, I have an idea. I want to name it a name and then wing. So it's like I, my first name was Goran's Wing. It's okay. called Goran. That's what it is. That's I've decided. Goran's Wing. Goran's Love Wing. It. And Gorin was an Aarakocra scientist who grew up on the mountains, but flew up and like spent more time up there. And he was a well-renowned scientist. Uh, and he was the one who discovered it. And because he has his like golden wings, it was gold when it was uh, first sighted. And so they called it Gorin's wing. Mm-hmm. And Gorin's wing has been 
changing colors or something as it been as it's been going. I imagine Goran is like a definitely he's definitely passed, but I think also people definitely look up to him as like a guy who was. I always think of like Eric Kokra as very regal and very mm-hmm. like upstanding. So I also like you want to scientists. I also want to think of as like really just pure good because all they want to do is discover and like help sure. the planet. And I think Gorn probably also definitely, as most scientists think about the space, probably definitely wanted to go to space, but never could. Mm-hmm. So as a tribute to him, maybe they call it a Gorn's wing because it's like him flying. It's his spaceship. They like pretend like sure. that's where he is after his spirit has left. So yeah, Gorn's wing. So we have Gorn's wing, this meteorite, the, sorry, this uh, comet that comes around once every like mm-hmm. 10 or so years, changes colors. We next have the moon. Is there a name for the moon or is it just, is it just moon? Is it just the moon? So you call it the luminal sea, the luminal sea and lumen, uh, isn't that, isn't moon, loom, something uh, like it's that? The, it's like, the, the liminal sea and liminality is liminal. kind of like a... Word oh, for okay. a space in between. Oh, okay. Got you. No, I think it's probably just called the moon. Cool. Because I think that, you know, there's all sorts of moon lore in D&D or like things that are called moonstones, various. Yeah, I think moon is good. Moon's a great name too. It's just Yeah, moon is just better. a really solid name. It's perfect. It's like cellar door, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just, it just <laughs> feels good. It's got a good chocolatey yeah. feel in the mouth. We love it. Okay, so we have Goran's wing. We have just the moon. We've come to a, a pretty big moment, I think. Uh, we've got to name the planet itself. Mm. I So much of me wants to put restrictions on this because I'm so worried you're going to name it Bob or something. But, I, you know, it, it's your power yeah. to do with what uh, you wish. Planet McPlanet face. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, I literally talked about that on a different episode that I'm amazed. I think we, we came up with something that was kind of a Bunny McBoat face type thing. And it's one of my favorite things about just people across the world that if you give people a poll like that, it will always end up being Bodie McBoatface. If there is an option to fill in other, absolutely Bodie McBoatface will win every time. Here's, here's my, I'm going to go on a tangent on this for a second. I am really upset that they didn't call it Bodie McBoatface. I think oh, I it would have been, I think it would have been such a good thing for the science community to be like, we named the ship Bodie McBoatface. Now, whatever that ship does, is going to make the news. And like, cause everyone's going to want to print about it and talk about it. Oh yeah. Oh, Bodie sure. McBoatface, the name, the, the silliest boat in the galaxy. Like that's people love that stuff. Yeah. People like silly names. People like to smile. when they think about a boat, I don't care. Like freaking, uh, what's his face from West Virginia. His boats, the almost heaven. I have no idea. Joe mansion. Oh, okay. Okay. It's called the almost heaven. It's like, ugh. but like if, if his boat was called Bodie McBoatface, that would be so funny. <laughs> a planet, though, a planet is different than a boat. A planet deserves a better name. I don't know. I don't really. The planet that I put all my DM homebrew stuff is reach. So I like to think of it as a one syllable. Earth is great. Mm-hmm. Gives you the sense of <laughs> someone recently tweeted like can't believe earth is named off of this shit all over the ground (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know from humble beginnings yeah Yeah. (laughs) really really did a good job for themselves yeah you got you got earth you got reach you got dune you got got mars mars moon it's like one syllable it's got to be one syllable Mm-hmm. What's a good letter to start with? M. I like I like an M. Hmm. Okay. Also, it could be, could be named after the Titans who found it. Like it could be called a Three Titan or something like that. Something that invokes that Three Titans are there. But that would mean that it was named after the Titans or renamed. Do you think it was named before the Titans got there? I think it was named before the time. I think there is an amount of prehistory that was still still civilized. It just wasn't magical it was very much our world and then post titans it was kind of morphed into more of a dnd world I, okay. I i will say just kind of as a little bonus thing the three three titans are named uh fathom kiliana and phoebe if any of those kind of you know stick in your craw i was i'm thinking of 
like it being since it was a one landmass, it would be mostly water. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking blue. I'm thinking azul, Spanish for blue. Mm-hmm. Like avul. Avul is that's two syllables. Or just vul. Or this is a lot. There's pressure on this one. There's there's pressure on this one. There is there is also and I don't want to sway you. I'm just going to give you some ideas. And yeah, you yeah, take what you want. Yeah, yeah, go. Let's do yeah, that. Let's the, brainstorm. The, when I designed this, I, you know, I called it the Fractured Realms, very much taken from the Forgotten Realms, right. like classic D&D setting. But because I was planning, I designed it very bare bones. The consonants are representative of different elements so that any type of adventure that any of my players wanted to do, I could just port them to different consonants. And now that we're building this world, you know, kind of piece by piece, there's definitely a sense of brokenness and fracturedness and coming in collaboration that is kind of mm. built into this world. So maybe we want to look at something within like that world. Something that means mix, something that means broken and like, like soup mix soup bowl. Wait, I'm going to pull up thesaurus.com and put it, I'll put in, bro- <laughs> I'll put in broken. Well, look up like uh, Latin words too. Like the Latin roots for things is always a fascinating way to get to words. So if the root is mix and bowl and blue, mix blue bowl could be called opal. Opal is a good root word. Opal is a great because it's like isn't opal? Opal's a color. It's gemstone, kind of a bluish, yeah, bluish green. I like opal because it kind of looks like a planet that's kind of chaotic. You know, opal is beautiful. Opal is beautiful. You know, it's like all those different colors. I'm going to toss out some bonus synonyms. Yeah, so you can tell me if any of these. I'm just picking the weird ones that are short, that are around one syllable. Burst, hurt, rent, riven, split. Kind of like riven. I don't know what that means. but Riven is cool. I like riven too. Riven means? Like rift. It's like, I imagine it's from similar to rift. Riven. It, yeah, split apart, divide into pieces or factions. What's the, what's the root of riven? It's like river. River comes from riven. Middle English, Riffa, Old Norse, Riffa. Hmm. Yeah, Riven gives me the sense of it like it's a, it's a split world. It's a, it's a world that's been split. Split apart. Riven. Yeah, Riven's good. That feels pretty I good. Have it. I, that's it. I feel that's for pretty sure happy with that. We'll, we'll lock yeah. that guy in. Riven is great. We've got Gorin's Wing. We've got the moon. We've got Riven. This after, I think this is episode 13 plus all of season one. We finally got a name for the world. And it is Riven. I will say the name Riven invokes Rift Split, and it was named before. So maybe there was a different sort of split that happened before, or a metaphorical split, or it was just like, or the, there must have been something that split. Or it, I mean, there, there must you know, be something allowed of these. Anyways, go ahead. I mean, I, I don't know what the world was before this split, and maybe that's the thing I should kind of add into the wheel that I haven't explored at all on my own. Maybe there was some kind of like prophecy or thing that kind of foretold that is that a fracturing, a splitting was coming. Mm, I like that. And was given to like the name was given to the world. And that was a piece of history that was lost through time. And that in the same way that like the aspect of the Titans being real is being lost through time as well. Totally. Or like split meant something different. It meant. Oh, that's cool. Just an evolution of the word. Like it could have meant something absolutely different. Right. Yeah, like you're you're breaking down barriers, like splitting a barrier, which is like the opposite of a split. You know, you split a neighborhood with a wall, but you also split the wall and then connect the neighborhood. So something that splits also connects. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's got both ends of it. I uh, yeah, I I like it. You know, we 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 started from the cosmos, we got to the name of the world. Before we move on to the lightning round, is there anything else you want to hang on? your kind of ideas of the cosmos, any little tidbits you want to add on? I think the biggest tidbit I have is that the universe, there are some Titans out there. And if there are Titans out there, there may be more Titans out there. And if there are Titans out there, there's probably other stuff out there that also is interested in moving around and going in between planes and stuff. So I'll leave it at that. And I love, I mean, the Titans came from a different plane to this plane. There's nothing saying there aren't Titans or other things in this plane trying to go to other planes as well. And just the idea Beautiful. of, Exactly. Of magic leeching out from the planet is so fucking cool. I love the knitting together. We have two segments on the show. The first segment is the Wheel of World Building. The second is Lightning Round. 
this is the section where we'll ask three questions quickly and we'll answer them at a brisk walking pace. Um, you can see it, but I'm doing finger guns. Lots of finger guns. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. I'll add in some pew pew sounds. Pew, pew. Please. They're lightning guns. I'll lightning. Say. Ah, okay. I'll get you some, some <laughs> world building. Lightning, lightning These are lightning computers. guns. Of course I have lightning guns in the world. No one else does. Okay. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Three quick questions. The first one, what is a rumor that you have heard kind of surrounding the cosmos that's going around? This rumor doesn't have to be true. It could be false. It could be exaggerated or downplayed, but what's a rumor that's currently going around about space and the cosmos? The rumor, I mean, definitely the rumor is that this comet is evil. Okay. That something is that something is that this comet is coming for us. I think most people look at it and they're like, oh, beautiful, pretty, let's celebrate, let's have a party. And there are other people that are like, no, this is bad. This is a bad thing. That shouldn't be changing color. None of the other ones change color. Why is this one changing color? Right. This one is changing colors and this one's getting bigger and this one's changing and this one's getting closer. It's like very minimal changes, but like over time. It's it's noteworthy. Yeah, that's that's definitely the rumor. Okay. Second question. What is the name of a person in this world, particularly a person kind of like invested in the cosmos and the otherworldly? And what is the most interesting characteristic or feature about them? I want to name this guy who's who's freaking out. His Dr. Milton. Nice. Milton Hex. Nice. Milton Hex. H-E-X. Hell yeah. Milton Hex. And Milton Hex is he's a old gnome artificer. And no one really takes it seriously. He's a little eccentric, obviously, but no one takes him seriously, probably because he has a little bit of a drug problem. <laughs> but, you know, that's allowed him to like sort of have some far out ideas about what things are and what they mean. And he, he uses it as an inspirational thing, but other people are like, no, not about Milton's methods. Right, right, right. Uh, he's, he also wrote a book called Milton's Methods. I love which is Milton's a methods. chaotic sort of rambling, uh, uh, sort of, uh, it's just about microdosing, right? It's about <laughs> he, traveling the, the planet and finding different things and like allowing those to like, give him insight into where they come from and the, the origins of the planet and everything. And he's just fascinated. And so he thinks that the only way to connect with the world around him is to ingest it. So he does a lot of, <laughs> a lot of drugs, a lot of different things he wants to experience. He wants to go to space. He can't. He would love to. But like, so people like respect him. He's got a following, more of a cult following. Sure. But in the science community, I think he's been written off mostly. So and he's screaming that he's discovered something about this comet, which I think he probably figured out in a dream, Mm -hmm. some sort of trance he was in that has just spooked the crap out of him. And he's like, "The, the comet is bad. So Milton Hex is is screaming from the mountaintops. Maybe he's moving around the world, but that's Dr. Dr. MH. I love it. The last question we have is a two-part question. Uh, we always end the show uh, by having our current guest ask a question for our next guest to answer. Okay. Last week we had on Jenny Gustafson, and she had this question for you. What is like the hot ticket toy or or it could be item? that people are really scrambling to get and what does it do why is this attractive to people mm-hmm. and i guess uh how much does it cost so we're coming up on the holiday season uh what is this year's big ticket must have gotta get item we're talking cabbage patch we're talking tamagotchi we're talking n64 what are all the kids youths, or just people clamoring for Okay, so all of those things have in common one thing, which is they're collectible. True. Collectible is the key. Okay. It's you want to have one that's slightly different than the others. So some people, so when you get one, you're like, this is mine. This is my type, my thing. Mm-hmm. I could collect them all, but I am a this person. And I'm thinking Titans. I think it's like there are three Titans and they're okay, toys. Sure. They're the toy Titans. Okay. And I think the Titans have now kind of like mythologized and they've like made them like, or like almost like teen Titans. They're like the kid Titan <laughs> versions. And so, you know, some of these toy makers are like, okay, here's a little Titan toy. You've got your Titan toys. You've got like, yeah, they're called Titan toys. Love it. And they are little figurines and they have little 
different magics in them depending on which one you get. So if you get the air titan, it like it you push a button and it like blows a bunch of air out of different parts of it sure, and it kind sure. of expands and then retracts and kind of like you know it does like cool air stuff and you can like blow it on your friends and like blast water, water blast uh, air blast and you like air blast and then the water one obviously squirts water sure and has like water abilities and you can fill it up with water and you can like shoot water out of it and it'll even like freeze water for you in different parts and like so that kind of stuff and the earth one uh is definitely the cheap one (laughs) nobody wants the earth one because the earth one is just like kind of looks dirty and it's mostly like you can like put earth in it and like you can it's more like a it's kind of like a uh ant farm like you can have you can like put a little creature inside of it it's like built to like house a little bug or something okay so the other ones are kind of like fighting ones and the other and the last one is kind of like for the kids that don't want to fight they want to right love. they want to stare, like, stare at their ant they farm wanna, grow a right. flower they want to they want to get a lightning bug and stick it inside so it lights up and like that's one of the things you can do is okay cool put a bunch of lightning bugs inside but that requires like it, it's just dirtier it's a dirtier thing sure uh, the air one is definitely the most expensive. The water one is like you fill it with water and that one's fine. And then the earth one is is cheap. How much are these things uh, running, your average consumer? Okay, so the air one is definitely, I want to say like it's 10 gold. Okay, so least. pricey. Yeah, it's pricey. The water one, holiday season is like one gold. Okay. And then the, the dirt one is more like two silver. It's like not, it's really cheap. That's like the, you, it, it, I think that the idea of the toy maker was like, we'll hook them with the first one and then get them to like buy the other two so they can sure, complete the sure, set, sure. you know, but it's also like which one you have is also a, establishes who you are as a person. Yeah. It's very much what, what was your starter Pokemon? There's like a super rare one, uh, which is like the evil one, like <laughs> that. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I, I think maybe like there's just like lore that's being put together for the kids of being like, these are the three good Titans. And then there's like a bad guy Titan and the bad guy is like the rift. He's like rift Titan or something or sure. whatever. Uh, so yeah, that's it. I, that's the toy. I love the teen it. Titans. I love, I love the teen Titan, Titan the, toys, the, the, the toy Titans, the teen toy Titan, teen toy Titans. Okay. So second part of that question, what is a question you have about the world, big or small for our next guest to answer? Ooh. Okay. I am always in love with cults and. Okay like people that are driven. I like the idea of this sort of world that that the people have separated themselves above this mountain to like Mm -hmm. be alone. What there's definitely a group of people that's somewhere in this world that is desperate to be left alone. And it's because of something crazy. Like they are nuts and they, (laughs) it's a cultish thing that like, they all believe something that is totally different than what everybody else believes and they're just like, the only way we can do this in peace is to be in this mountain all by ourselves. And it could be like, this is a real thing or this is a myth or like, there's a story about these people, some sort of like extra civilizational people that are like, what's their deal? And what are their, what do their clothing look like? That's my favorite thing. About <laughs> what cult, does their, their clothing, clothing look like? They're all wearing red track suits, red Nike track suits. <laughs> uh, so, so the base of the question is, what is a like isolationist cult in this world? What's their deal mm-hmm. and what are their clothes? And what are they like? wearing? Okay. What Specifically, are they wearing? what are they wearing? The most important thing is what they're wearing because that identifies them in the world. Okay. And I think it's the most fun part about a cult anyways. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. I love it. That's it for this episode. Uh, to steal a line from Walter Cronkite, that's the way it is, ladies and gentlemen. Load up all that lore, fire it directly into the Fractured Realms. That is it for this episode of Cannon Fodder. Uh, before we go, Pat, you want to tell the people where they can find you? I am Pat Wise Live on all platforms. That's my name and live at the end. And you can find me on everything. I try to keep it all the same. So check me out. Hell yeah. I also encourage you guys to check out Audio Snacks, which is some, some music Pat does, especially uh, the mm-hmm. song Watch Out for the Poop, because me and my girlfriend sing it to each other an unhealthy amount. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, you gotta, and you also got to watch out for the poop. You got to watch, watch out, out for the poop, there, guys. But don't worry, it doesn't move. <laughs>
It doesn't move. If you want to see all of today's world building put into action, you can check out our parent show, The 20 Sided Podcast. Season two, titled Prisoners of the Static, is airing now. And you can also find all 11 episodes of our first season titled Escape from the RMS Titanfall on all podcasting services you can imagine. If you're listening to this show right now, you know exactly how to find a podcast. Don't lie to me. Just type in 20 Sided Podcast and you can check it out. We're back every week, but for now, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Brian, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master and the host of Cannon Fodder. If you want to learn even more about the Fractured Realms and also discover brand new playable content, DM tips and tricks, and interviews with interesting people in the TTRPG community, consider checking out the 20-sided newsletter. It's a free bi-monthly email newsletter that delivers a ton of cool content and keeps you up to date on all the latest projects within the 20-sided podcast universe. To subscribe, you can click on the link below in the show notes or go to 20sidedpodcasts.substack.com. Thanks.